At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. podcast the podcast for cryptids and their keepers that's us and if you're listening it's you too i'm alex flanagan and i'm addison peacock and we are giving this our best shot this is the <laughs> second time today we've tried to start this episode um audio issues are perpetual give it the old college try that's right we got this it's gonna be great so unfortunately i do already know what the cryptid is but i, I will know. pretend to be delighted <laughs> and surprised when you, you when you drop that info <clears throat> on me thank you i wish you hadn't given them the peek behind the curtain because your acting would have been good enough to sell it but it's okay oh, that's really sweet of you but i also i think that it's important to work from a place of honesty so like i'm gonna find a different truth inside of the moment and like instead of trying to come at it as if I've never heard this information before I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to capture like the wonderment of getting to experience this moment for a second time when I thought I would only get to have it once oh so maybe that's like the emotional truth I'm going to bring to this situation Okay, I like that. I like that. Did you say, Alex, did you go to an art school? (laughs) You know, it's funny. You should ask. (laughs) So I would really like to, if we can, tap into, and I'm talking not just to you, Alex, but to everyone listening, tap into a sort of a sleepover energy, if we can do that for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I want you to think like you, we are all collectively, we are 12 And we are staying over at a friend's place with a bunch of other, like, kids. And we were allowed to buy their mom rent a PG-13 movie, which we have watched. And it is getting late. We have played some Truth or Dares. We've played some Never Have Mm -hmm. I Evers. We've maybe played uh, some Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board, a game I never played, but I've been told people play at sleepovers. And then maybe... I actually, I have a confession to make. I never played it at a sleepover, but I did play it several times in a dressing room for, like, one of several productions I was in as a kid. That's really good. I love that. I've never played Light as Mm -hmm. a Feather, Stiff as a Board. I've always wanted to. It's actually, (laughs) this story is even better because our dressing room at the time, um, the theater I was working with when I was growing up was in, uh, it shared a space with the Morgantown Beauty College, and and, like, the basement Uh of Beauty College. And so the uh, the female dressing room was full of all the head models, like the the fake heads that all the hair is like practiced on. Oh, I see. And so if you can imagine playing light as a feather, stiff as a board in a dimly lit room, just covered wall to wall with mirrors and like heads staring unblinking down at you. Oh my god. <laughs> That's the energy that was, like, in third grade Alex's life. All right, so that's actually going to set the tone really nicely, I think. So here's the thing. Good. Last week we did something that is maybe tenuously encrypted, uh, but we had previously Mm -hmm. discussed angels and demons uh, on the show, so it set a precedence. And similarly to that, we have talked about ghosts on the show before. So I would say a precedent has been set. A gauntlet has been thrown. I'm allowed to do this, and it's my podcast. You can't tell me I can't. And so I really want to talk today about Bloody Mary. Yes. If you are, I'm not sure how ubiquitous Bloody Mary is outside the United States. So if you're not from the States, I'll just give a little background. Um, Basically, the reason I talked about sleepovers up front, at least in my experience, Bloody Mary is like a creepy game that kids will play to scare each other. And usually you need to go into a dark room. Not usually, you have to go into a dark room with a mirror. Usually that's a bathroom. It can be, I guess, any dark room with a mirror. You just have to be in front of a mirror with the lights off. And you Mm -hmm. say Bloody Mary's name three times. Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Even doing that just now made me like a little nervous, even though there's no mirror in here. And depending on the version of the story, she will, no matter what, appear in the mirror. And depending on the story, she'll, like, tell you something about your future. She'll maybe tell you how you're going to die. Or, like, in some versions, she will, like, just blood will appear all over the mirror. Or she'll, like, come out and, like, attack Mm -hmm. you. There's, like, I'm going to get into it. There are a 
dozen different versions of this story. But basically, it's something that kids, in my experience, play to scare each other. And it's this really pervasive urban legend. It's appeared all over the place. There's a horror movie called Urban Legends Bloody Mary. I've never watched it. I do have a copy of it on DVD that I bought from the dollar bin at a DVD store, but I have not seen it. Um... Also, there is an episode of Supernatural that deals with not Bloody Mary explicitly, if I'm remembering correctly, but like a, a lady ghost in a mirror enacting terror. So it's it's definitely there is there is that fantastic um, Goosebumps episode that we watched. <gasps> Scary Mary. Do you remember that? I Scary loved Mary. that episode. It's not Goosebumps. It's um, The Haunting Hour, which is a better show. Which is still Goosebumps, though, right? No, it is. But, like, the Haunting Hour was targeted at a slightly older audience. So, like, Goosebumps is for, like, 8 to 10-year-olds and Haunting Hour is for, like, 12 to 14. So it's, like, a little scarier. Oh, so it's a little bit more acceptable that we were both terrified. Yeah. The stakes are, like... Because we were fully 20 when we watched it. Oh, yeah. No, the stakes are slightly higher. You can't find this show anywhere anymore, by the way. Quick sidebar about R.L. Stein's The Haunting Hour, one of the best horror shows ever made for children. It used to be on Netflix and they took it off and now I can't find it anywhere. I had to go down a Google rabbit hole to convince myself I didn't dream it. So, which is exactly, which to be fair, is exactly how an episode of Haunting Hour would begin. Exactly. It's exactly what R.L. Stein would want me to feel. But there is an episode called Scary Mary with a Mirror Ghost, and it's the same thing. But my personal history of Bloody Mary really quickly, I've never actually played the game because I was too scared. Uh... Big scary it's not cat a game, Addison. I've never completed the ritual because I am a scaredy cat. So, uh, which is why even just now saying her name three times made me a little bit nervous at the age of twenty three in a room with no mirrors. Um, but when I was a kid in about third grade, actually, funny overlap here. I think third grade is when, at least in my experience, kids start to get into creepy, spooky, scary stuff in a really intense way. Uh, but. Mm-hmm. In my third grade class, a bunch of girls and I were obsessed with Bloody Mary and with ghost stories, and we all sort of took on this shared hysteria surrounding the bathroom across from our third grade classroom and became convinced, even though none of us had done the ritual in there, that Bloody Mary haunted that bathroom's mirror. And we would not go in the bathroom alone. I would like flush and then run out of the room like I would like no I would like because I could admit this sorry I was a child I was gross I didn't wash my hands I was too scared I couldn't look in the mirror I was too scared um and then one time I still to this day don't know who did it maybe it was Bloody Mary herself somebody took that pink soap that you get in like school bathrooms you know what I'm talking about uh-huh. it's like but you can only get in school bathrooms it looks, yeah, yeah it's exactly. like pink and has a very weird smell and it's only in school bathrooms and they wrote like get out on the mirror with their finger in the soap <laughs> And it was the scariest thing that had ever happened to me. (laughs) Um, I, like, cried on the bus on the way home because Bloody Mary was real and haunting my school bathroom. But that's the extent of my personal experience with her. And I just have wanted to do an episode on Bloody Mary for quite some time. I've told a shorter version of that anecdote on this podcast before. And I think Bloody Mary is the first urban legend or like ghost story that I got really, really into. I've been a creepy, I was a creepy kid. My mom got me started on ghost stories and like horror with a lot of Edgar Allan Poe when I was pretty young, Mm -hmm. maybe too young. She gets mad when I tell people this because she's afraid they'll think she's a bad mother. But she did read me the telltale heart when I was nine. So (laughs) I was a creepy kid. And so it was only natural, I guess, if I started with the Bloody Mary stuff then that it would build over time and I would come back to her today. It just felt it felt like the right time to dive into Bloody Mary. Good. I'm really glad that it is like circuitous for you. Mm -hmm. And this time I'm seeking her out and I will not be afraid. Uh, I shan't be afraid. (laughs) We will call her name and stare boldly back when she responds. I do actually have a little scientific explanation bit about Bloody Mary as well, but I want to talk about the fun stuff first, by which I mean the ghosty stuff first. (laughs) So um, I will say that the original version, as far as I could find, according to Wikipedia, is that historically the ritual involved young women walking up a flight of stairs backward holding a candle and a hand mirror in a dark house. They were supposed to look in the hand mirror while walking backwards, hold the candle under their face, and they -hmm. were supposed to be able to catch a view of their future husband's face, or they would see the skull of the grim, the face of the grim reaper telling them they were going to die before they got a chance to get married. So that's sort of where people are pretty sure this 
kind of started in terms of ghosty mirror rituals. And then there are versions of the Bloody Mary one where you they say she'll tell you the name of like who you're going to marry. Um, I have heard that. Yeah. That is not the version I grew up on. I grew up on the version of she scratches your eyes out, <laughs> which is much scarier. I mean, I definitely like I... I just thought she killed you. I didn't, I don't think I ever thought there was like a specific way that it happened, but I didn't, like, I wasn't super into it. I just, I knew of it, you know, in the same way that you know of like all of the sort of generic cat's cradles and jump rope rhymes you're supposed to know. Oh yeah. I had a really weird bonding moment with someone at like a house party recently because they remembered the, uh, it was like a jump rope one you did. Mm -hmm. That was about, um, it was like one of those kids rhymes that you almost curse. So like it's something, something, ask me no more questions. I'll tell you no more lies. Tell me no more lies. Yeah. Yeah. It was that one. That's a total sidebar, but we're talking about childhood nostalgia. So like sue me. Don't sue me. I have no money for you to take. So in terms of the different versions, there is an astonishinglegends.com article called The True-ish Stories Behind Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary from June of 2017 that I thought was really fun. And it does dive into a lot of the origins. And I was excited to see that one of the ones they covered is the one that I was taught. I was taught that it was Mary Tudor, like the original Bloody Mary, Mm -hmm. because that was her nickname. It was her nickname because she had a lot of Protestants executed by the state. But like, here we are. So Mary Tudor is apparently uh, regarded as one of them. And apparently, this is terrible. But according to this article, one of the versions going around Mary Tudor, they sort of centered around her whole issue of not being able to produce a son. Like she had this, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're into the Tudor family, which I was also around this same time, um, you know that Mary Tudor was sort of ostracized from her family because she was, uh, he wanted a son to take the throne and then she was the only child her mother was able, ever had and she was the daughter. So she was this, she was separated from her mother and separated from her father and basically tried to have a son and had this issue with, as far as we can tell, like fertility and stuff. And so one of the versions of what you're supposed to do to have her come into the mirror, according to this, is tell her you stole her baby. Oh my gosh. If she kills you in that situation, I think you deserve it. Yeah, that kind of, that was self-invoked. Yeah. Now here's the thing though, and that's what this article mentions. Here's the thing about Bloody Mary as a legend and why it's hard to pin down. Mary is like the most common women's name ever. Uh, okay. Yeah, sure thing, sweetie. Name five. <laughs> well, I will. I'll name. Okay, let's go. Mary Tudor, Mary <laughs> Queen of Scots. And now my next one, Mary Worth. Let's talk about Mary Worth. Um, Mary Worth was a sort of infamous like a village witch figure in um old wagon road in chicago during the civil war she lived slightly outside of the main part of town and she supposedly take my horse to the old wagon road anyway is that a real song or did you just write that for me Uh, well it's old town road it's that new it's that country rap all the kids are oh yeah i really do like that song i will tell you right now i didn't recognize it in this format but here we are um So she basically kidnapped, uh, supposedly, I will say this is all like sometimes uh, old timey people didn't know how to handle an old woman who wasn't married. So they just made up terrible things about her. So I'm going to go ahead and put that caveat on it. But she supposedly kidnapped runaways and performed rituals and harvested bodies for spells and did all the spooky Yeah, but like who amongst us has never? Right, exactly. And then she was later by the townspeople burned at the stake and buried on unconsecrated ground. So in terms of the way that the legend works, her burial place became a farm and no one warned the buyers. Classic ghost story setup stuff. A stone meant to mark her burial was dug up when creating an oat field. The farmer, thinking it would be a good front door step, unearthed the stone and put it on his front stoop. Poltergeist-like activity began to appear in the home. There was an apparition seen by their young daughter in the mirror of Mary Worth, whose resting place was disturbed and came back to seek her revenge. And even though they put the stone back, they never put her to rest, and eventually the house burned down. And because she has no resting place, the legend is that she just sort of bounces from mirror to mirror because she her resting place was disturbed, so she has nowhere to rest. Um, 
And then another one that I find interesting that pops up, which doesn't make sense because her name was not Mary, but I'm going to roll with it just because I think it's fun. Sure, do it. Are you familiar with Countess Bathory? I'm assuming you are. I've heard the name, but honestly, off the top of my head, I cannot tell you oh. why. I'm sure as soon as you start, like, spinning this info to me, I will have a moment of intense recollection. Mm-hmm. Okay, but... let's talk about another horrible historical figure that I was obsessed with when I was, like, still in my single digits of age because I was a creepy, macabre child. Countess Elizabeth Bathory, she was a Hungarian noblewoman in the 15th and six, or like late 15th, early 16th century who became obsessed with the idea of achieving eternal youth by bathing in blood. She was that one. Oh, yes, 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 yes. She would hire maids, have them killed, and then take baths in their blood. <laughs> It's yes, now oh, I know yeah. exactly what you're so, talking about. So so scary. It's it's creepy and I like it as an idea because the blood thing overlaps, but her name was not Mary and she had nothing to do with mirrors except for the vanity thing, so I really think that's a pretty tenuous connection. Yeah, it's a little bit reachy. But I do like it. <laughs> I do think it's neat. And it is worth mentioning that the process of using a mirror or a crystal to divine something or see spirits is called catoptromancy. And so technically, if you're summoning Bloody Mary, you are practicing catoptromancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, let me hop over to another one of my sites for the background of the story. You will also find from the same period of time people claiming that Mary is Mary Queen of Scots, who was held in the Tower of London and then executed. Or no, until she died. She wasn't executed. She just was held there and then she died. If my Tudor history is up to snuff, which again, I haven't read in a very long time, but was very much my obsession as a wee one. Mm -hmm. But before we talk about some instructions on how to play the game and some spooky, spooky, scary uh, sightings of Bloody Mary, because hell yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. I do need to talk about the science behind why this happens, like why potentially Bloody Mary is a thing. And so I would like to hop over to Pacific Standard Magazine has a great article by Rick Paulus from February of 2016 called The Neuroscience of Ghosts. So the skeptic's perspective, side note, this author does refer to himself in the article as Scully in the streets, Mulder in the sheets, because they really want to believe in a ghost. And I really, I really do love that because also it just, that speaks to me. So they're talking about people who claim to see or feel ghosts and essentially people do see things, but why? So in 1902, the father of American psychology, William James, published The Varieties of Religious Experience, A Study of Human Nature, where he linked religious experiences to psychological disorders in the brain. Now, he claimed they were results of something he referred to, this is like older language, delusional insanity, which was just like crappy 1902 talk, basically, for psychosis and schizophrenia. Mm -hmm, So that's obviously one example, but there's also... Like, it's too broad of a correlation to really accomplish anything. Lots of people who experience these things don't have symptoms of schizophrenia. And so in 2014, researchers in Switzerland brought 12 people who reported having secondary representations of their body into the laboratory. So that sensation is known in science as feel of presence, a murky sense that other people are in the room with you, which is obviously a lot of overlap with people who've claimed to see and experience ghosts. So... Feeling of presence has specific characteristics, says Giulio Ragnini, one of the study's co-authors. If the patient was standing, the presence was felt standing. If the patient was lying down, the patient felt as if the presence was lying down. So there's Mm. shared movement between the person claiming to feel the presence and the presence itself, which implies that there's some sort of doubling of physical sensation in the patient's brain. It is too soon after the release of seminal horror classic Us to be talking about this. I'm so sorry. I thought about that when I was reading this. But that is the sort of how feeling of the ghost. And there's also actually something very cool. And I've read about this before with when you play Bloody Mary, like particularly the looking in the mirror in the dark thing. Right. So I Mm -hmm. think I've, I've talked about this on the show before, but I do think it's fascinating. Essentially, if you look at the same image for long enough and like you can't see super clearly, your brain starts to get bored there's no other better way to put this it's oh yeah like your brain starts to get bored and starts to sort of mix up the image and starts to sort of try to re-piece it together and sort of puzzle it out so it is true and this you can actually try this out yourself if you 
stare at yourself really close up in the mirror for a long time, you will start to look kind of weird. Like, mm-hmm. your nose will disappear or, like, features will sort of shift a little bit. And that is a thing. It's if you look at any one thing for super long, it starts to sort of phase out parts of the image and things like that. And so it is completely reasonable that if you're looking at your own face for a really long time in the dark, in a mirror, that the image is going to start to warp. And if you're already primed to expect to see a ghostly face, right. especially young women are more often than not the ones playing this game, it's already going to look like the face of a young woman and the face of a young woman who's not you. And so I did need to at least tip my hat to the skeptics for a second and explain that there is a reason. Not to mention another part of it is like, if you are shutting yourself in a dark room to watch this, like a face is going to slowly appear as your eyes adjust to the dark, right? So like, oh yeah, there's this combination of factors here that's making it very evident as to why you would suddenly see a face that's not really recognizable materializing out of the darkness. Like, yeah, definitely. Exactly. Now, I will say, um, hopping away from that and back to the fun, spooky, scary stuff, although the brain is pretty spooky, scary on its own, that's not the kind of spooky, scary I want to do right now. Oh my god, you're so right. There is nothing on this earth that terrifies me more than human brains. Um, Sometime I'll have like, we'll have like a lengthy conversation about Alice in Wonderland syndrome where your brain can just like stop understanding the perception of size, but like that's its own thing, which freaks me out. Anyway, back to Bloody Mary stuff. Uh, Snopes actually has a little fun section where it sort of breaks down the different variations on the legend as well and has a fun little uh, compilation of all the different names she's known by. Okay. Now, also, really quickly, before I talk about that also, the Snopes article mentions why it's really common for kids between 9 to 12 to experiment with this sort of stuff. And it's that age is labeled the Robinson age by psychologists. This is the period where children need to satisfy their craving for excitement by participating in ritual games and playing in the dark. It's a safe way to extract pleasure and release anxiety and fear. So that's why kids in that age range are super into creepy, like, ghost games. Right on. And that's like a fun, like, it's it's common. I, it's not just that I was a creepy kid, even though I was. <laughs> So some of the other names for Bloody Mary, you've got Bloody Mary, Bloody Bones, Hell Mary, which is a fun little play on Hail Mary. I like that. Oh, yeah. Mary Worth, Mary Worthington, Mary Wales, Mary Johnson, Mary Lou, Mary Jane, and then just a bunch of random names that aren't even Mary, like Sally, Kathy, Agnes, Black Agnes, Aggie, and Svart Madam. Right on. There are a bunch of different variations that I love on the summoning chant. There's obviously the classic Bloody Mary. There's also I Believe in Mary Worth, which is if you're trying to summon the one from the specific story on mm-hmm. that I talked about before with the witch. There's also my favorite probably, and this is just not even Bloody Mary anymore, where you yell, Kathy, come out. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy, come out. It's like, it's like, you know how every time there's a new Pixar movie that comes out, um, you can go on Netflix and you can find like the off end yes. version that's like super not that, but obviously is. Like, mm-hmm. that's what that is. Bloody Mary is, like, very popular, and you go find Kathy come out trending on Netflix. Yeah, it's it's very good. Those are the some variations on the ritual, just so you know. And I would like to now hop over to some instructions on how to play Bloody Mary. Yes. So this is, to be fair, like... One of the many versions of the ritual, but this is from LiveSciFi.tv, and I don't think they would lie to me with their article, How to Play Bloody Mary, Real Instructions on Summoning. Oh, that would be illegal. They can't lie. That's entrapment. So That's ghost entrapment. Exactly. If you're a ghost, you have to tell me. So, whenever attempting to summon a demon such as Bloody Mary, it is always important to know that possible paranormal attacks such as demonic possession can occur. I mean, that's a fair disclaimer. Now, one of the more common ways participants attempt to make her appear is to stand before a mirror, usually in the dark, and repeat her name three times. Though there are many variations, including chanting more than three times, chanting at midnight, spinning around, rubbing one's eyes, running water, or chanting her name 13 times with a lit candle. (laughs) I mean, okay. Other versions tell that if one chants her name 13 times at midnight into a mirror, she will appear, and the summoner can talk to a deceased person until 11.08 a.m. when Bloody Mary and the dead person asked to speak will vanish. Several other variations say that you're not allowed to look directly at her, and then she will reveal your future, particularly concerning marriage and children. 
By the way, if you ever want to go down a fun YouTube rabbit hole, I did watch several. You will find like a billion different videos called like real Bloody Mary experience <laughs> caught on tape. And it's and it's kind of a blast because some of them are just so obviously egregiously fake. And oh, some of yeah, them are like, definitely. Some of them allow you to kind of play that game with yourself that you play when you watch, like, The Blair Witch Project or something, where you can be Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, is it real? Right, of course. I do love, like, there's, and I I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, like, somewhat extensively, but willful suspension of disbelief is one of my very favorite qualities, like, to instill in myself, just because... You know, there are so many things out there in the world. Like, we live in an age now where we have access to so much information. And it is important to stay informed. Like, I absolutely believe that, yes, you have not only the ability to, but the responsibility to stay informed about what is happening in the world. Like, factuality is important. You do need to Mm -hmm. check your sources. You do need to be aware of, like, the reality of things going on. Because if you just take things for granted, like, you're going to be misinformed and easily led astray on a number of very important topics. However... When it comes to harmless things like injecting a little wonderment back into your world by saying, I choose to believe, and I know that I am choosing to believe, that this is something more fantastical than it seems. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that that's a very harmless and kind of very necessary and cathartic way to inject a little bit of, like, I don't know, enthusiasm or excitement or hope back into your, like, daily existence and routine because oh yeah, there are so many explanations for everything nowadays and we are so required to be on top of all of them and, like, critically analyze so many things so much of the time that I think we're sometimes missing out on that experience Mm -hmm. of just being okay with not knowing things that, you know, people in earlier generations might have gotten to have that we don't necessarily have the luxury Mm -hmm. of. Please let me have my ghost games. Thank you. Yeah, that too. (laughs) I don't know who I'm yelling at right there. I guess the world. (laughs) Also, I keep getting excited and distracted by different things. I should also say really quickly, I've talked about her before, but if we're talking about ghost haunting bathrooms, I really should give a little nod to Hanako-san, the Japanese urban legend, Hanako of the toilet. She is an, uh, it's an urban legend about a spirit of a young girl who haunts school bathrooms. Alrighty. And this is something I didn't know about when I was in school, by the way. So I had no reason to believe about like ghost haunting bathrooms was a thing i did not know about hanako-san but she according to the legend this is just a really quick sidebar you're supposed to go to the third stall in a girl's bathroom on the third floor and knock three times because urban legends love multiples of three Mm -hmm. and ask are you there hanako-san and then she'll say if she's there she'll go i'm here and if you want to enter the stall then there she is (laughs) and there are a lot of different versions of her behavior like in a lot of them she's just kind of like a ghost and you see her and go oh how spooky and then you run away and then in some you like drown in the toilet and there's like a lot interesting (laughs) so there's a lot of different variations like many of these stories and uh Apparently, it's played very much often as, like, a way to haze new students or, like, for kids to, like, mess with each other. And it just kind of makes me happy that there's a very universal experience of children scaring each other with, like, bathroom ghosts, I guess. Um, I mean, it makes sense. You're vulnerable in that situation. And it's sort of a, I don't know, when you're a kid that small, it's one of the only times that you're ever probably completely alone a lot of the time, too, I think. Yeah, that's true. And so there's something very vulnerable about that. There's something very scary about the idea that there might be something spooky in, like, the one place that has, like, a nine-year-old you're ever, like, by yourself. Anyway, back to Bloody Mary. So I found some posts on Reddit, which is my favorite place for, you know, peer-reviewed, scientifically-based information. And there is a subreddit called Three Kings, which is apparently a reference to another sort of urban legend ghost ritual, uh, the Three Kings one. I'm not familiar with that one. But if I decided, I found this subreddit and decided to do a little search for Bloody Mary, and there are a ton of posts, including one that is truly just a recipe for a Bloody Mary, because I think someone thought they were being funny. Uh Uh-huh, cute. Yeah, but there are two posts from some people that were talking about uh, real-life experiences with trying the rituals. You've got one right here from Reddit user... Actually, I'm not going to shout these Reddit users out just because I they're being, like, honest and vulnerable on the internet about their ghost experience, and I don't want to put them on blast. So... Okay, that's fair. Um, first Reddit user says, so here it goes. This is absolutely true. Whether people believe it or not is their prerogative. I must have been four or five years old, really young. I lived with my grandmother, who was a staunch Jehovah's Witness. We lived in a crappy city by the name of Hilea within Miami, Florida. My grandma took me with her to a Bible study. 
It was a Haitian lady and she had two daughters. Their names were Sandra and Monica. I'll never forget them. They were much older than I was, maybe nine or ten, and they had a neighborhood friend over. While there, my grandma told me to play with the girls, and they decided to play Bloody Mary because this is a bunch of girls at just the right age. I, being so young, had never heard of it. So I asked what it was about. They responded by saying, and this is mean, you're going to see Santa Claus in the mirror. <laughs> and I didn't believe it. Since being a Jehovah's Witness, we didn't believe in Santa. and oh, didn't no. celebrate the holiday. So to be fair, she was not fooled. So they turned off all the lights, pitch black, and started spinning in circles, repeating her name. I didn't do any of this, just stood there confused. Suddenly, a glowy light appeared. Not in the mirror, but on the shower curtain. As soon as the light appeared, a shadow stepped out against the curtain. A shadow of a woman. I could see the curl of her hair, and it looked like she was wearing a dress with ripped or tattered seams. She stood there, and I noticed there was a mound or hump of something in front of her. Then she raised her arm, and I saw the shadow of a large, sharp knife, and she began stabbing the thing in front of her. This is all like a shadow against the shower curtain, which is very spooky. Everyone began screaming, and I turned the light on. Me, being tiny, innocent religious, was absolutely terrified. I didn't know what to do, so I prayed. When I discussed this with my grandma later on, she said she wasn't surprised. So... I asked her why, and she said that when she sat to do Bible study with the lady, that something wouldn't let her open the Bible. Oh. So all these years later, I still think about it. It was either Bloody Mary herself, or that house was haunted already by something else that pretended to be her to terrify us. All I know for sure is that there are things in this world we don't understand. So that's one. And then this one's slightly more, uh, this is lengthier. I'm going to, like, probably skim it because it's very long because people on Reddit like to uh, write themselves a little Yeah, yeah. I definitely have seen that before. This is from a year ago with 21 upvotes. Very nice. Um, And it is the Bloody Mary Ritual Experience. Essentially, this is, I'm going to skim over some of the backstory, and they were talking about looking up variations on the Bloody Mary ritual, and then it pops up, variations of it pop up all over the world, and basically every country has some sort of mirror spirit or variation on it. They also mentioned that a lot of people do this in groups, but they basically say that they don't think they have any friends who would agree to do it with them, (laughs) which is fair. (laughs) Like, it's a scary thing to ask your friend to do with you. So they picked the simplest version of the game, which is to just go in the dark with the candle. So go into the bathroom, close the door, and now I'm going to read the actual thing. The bathtub is usually hidden by a neon green bath curtain, so I put the candle down on the sink and stare at my reflection in the mirror. As a 24-year-old grown-ass man, I should have more guts than most teens that try this, but at the same time, there's something very disturbing about watching your own reflection in a dark room in a mirror. True. It's fair. And this is a literal thing. It's almost as if the darkness is toying with your mind and distorting your imagination to conjure up horrors and changes in your reflection, making you imagine the creepiest stuff ever. Which, by the way, sidebar, is exactly what I was just talking about. that is actually (laughs) literally true. So then he stands there scaring himself in the dark and then does it. Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Nothing. For full 10 to 15 seconds, nothing but utter silence. Then the curtain behind me ruffled and I whipped around faster than I think was possible. The candle had gone out, probably because of me moving so fast and putting out the flame with my motion. The bathroom was not all dark, however. Moonlight was barely but enough to make out everything hazily. I moved the curtain, and nothing. Uh, It was the freaking censoring, because Mm -hmm. this is a family podcast, wind from the window. I hate windows so much. (laughs) I turned around to look at the mirror again. Nothing. Just me. I turned on the light and went back to my room to write this down. I fear the ritual might have been distorted over several retellings of it, and maybe no longer works, if it did at any point in history. There's also a popular myth that there's one particular region or town in which Mary decides to show up. Maybe the spirit is, was tethered to a particular region. Nevertheless, with modern influx of rituals and stories, this probably rendered this one obsolete. Nothing paranormal about this ritual, but it is quite a jump scare and a thrilling experience for those trying for that sort of thing. It is also quite possible that with all the variations of the ritual, I might have done something wrong and the ritual ended up not working at all. Nevertheless, not trying it again unless someone particularly wants me to. I really like this guy's attitude of being like, it didn't work, but like, maybe that's on me. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. It's a good way of approaching it. It's kind it. of a refreshing, it's a refreshing take and it makes me happy. I've got a couple bit more of the, a couple bit more help. Am I okay? I'm just riding the high of ghost talk and talking about spooky ghosts. So I found a listicle, one of Ooh. my favorite things. I'm the person that listicles are for. The lineup.com has, which is a great site for 
scary listicles, basically. They have a lot of, like, they have listicles on, like, actual, like, horror film and TV and books, and then they also have, like, unexplained mysteries and, like, urban legends and stuff. It's a fun, it's a fun site. It's, like, scary BuzzFeed. So this is from 2018, actually, Mm -hmm. super recent, by Audrey Webster. I'll give credit. And this is under the category of bizarre, and it is a listicle of eight chilling firsthand Bloody Mary stories. So these are some collected accounts from different people who wrote in with their encounters with Bloody Mary. So number one, Marissa and her friend had just finished watching an eerie episode of Ghost Whisperer, which, by the way, is not a scary show, but that's fine. I've seen Ghost Whisperer. That is not a scary (laughs) show. That's like, if I'm not mistaking that for a different show, that's like... Jennifer, yeah, that's Jennifer Love Hewitt, like, talking to sad dead people and helping them make peace in, like, in the afterlife or whatever. It's not a scary show, but regardless, apparently they were scared, and Marissa wanted to scare her friend. Sure, understandable. All right, Marissa. And so, you and Marissa have some stuff in common. So, Marissa looked into her living... Don't call us out like this. She looked into her living room mirror and spun three times saying Bloody Mary. No ghost appeared, so she went to the bathroom to try again. Against the warning of her friend, Marissa shut off the lights, closed the door, and repeated the chant, because Marissa has never seen a horror movie. That was me. That was my own editorializing. When she looked into the mirror this time, there was still nothing. Disappointed, she was about to flip on the light when she caught a glimpse of something. She looked closer and discovered a black and white woman with her mouth wide open. Marissa expected a scream from the apparition, but found only dead, terrifying silence. The woman in the mirror lifted her arms, and Marissa saw that her hands were bright red, not with polish, but with blood. Marissa screamed, turned on the light, and ran from the bathroom. Nice, 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 nice. Like, I'm sorry, Marissa, that sounds traumatizing, but also, like... But also nice. Nice, 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 nice. (laughs) Katie was only nine years old when she and her friends decided to attempt Bloody Mary at her house one weekend. The five friends carefully carried candles to the bathroom and began chanting, Bloody Mary. As they chanted, an old woman with cuts across her face and chains around her neck and shoulders appeared in the mirror. Suddenly, the shower curtain went up in flames, (gasps) and the girls fled the bathroom. An older boy ran in and put out the fire. Although the girls were blamed for the curtain catching fire, they and their candles were much too far away to have caused it. Though if I were a parent, I would have also thought... The shower curtain's on fire, and you were in the bathroom in the dark with candles? Gee, I wonder how that happened. I mean, yeah. But 25 years later, Katie has never been tempted to try calling Bloody Mary again. Got a couple more. I've got, this is a listicle of eight. I will include every single one of those eight because this is, if you can't tell from the excitement in my voice, (laughs) this is what I live for. And this is, I don't know, this could have been me. If I had been brave enough to play the game way back when, maybe this could have been me. But I'm also okay that it wasn't because it's more fun to read about. Yeah, that's also fair. Sometimes it's better from the outside looking in. Mm Mm-hmm. So, number three, when friends Sarah, Gail, and Missy hung out on Friday the 13th, a great day to hang out. If you hear me say something in a sidebar in that voice, it's just me. That was me saying it's a great day to hang out. So they got to talking about Bloody Mary. The girls had been reading about her on the internet and decided to try the ritual for themselves. The trio got several candles and set them up in Gail's bathroom. They waited until 2.55 a.m., then went into the bathroom and chanted Bloody Mary 13 times. As soon as she had been called 13 times, Bloody Mary appeared in swirling smoke in the mirror. All three girls screamed and turned on the light, only for Bloody Mary to vanish immediately. And that's one of those that I can read and pretty easily go, I believe that that's true, that mm-hmm. like you all saw that. I right. also wholeheartedly believe that's one of those your eyes are doing the thing in the dark. Yeah. But Also, it's more fun to believe there's a ghost in the mirror, so we're just going to keep that rolling. (laughs) Okay, so number four. Now, this one's fun. It's at a summer camp in the Pacific Northwest. So, sick of exploring the woods, they decided to collectively fake food poisoning. Well, you know, which is a cool, wholesome, fun friend activity. That's That's a fun teen activity. Like, I can't say I didn't fake sick with friends to get out of activities I didn't want to do when I was that age. So... They ran to a bathroom and shut themselves up in it, hoping to make the fakery convincing. While they were there, one girl, Jessica, came up with the idea to play Bloody Mary. All right, Jessica, let's go. The rest of the group agreed, and they shut off the lights. They said Bloody Mary three times into the mirror and waited. At first, there was nothing. Then, the mirror cracked. All the girls ran Mm. off screaming, except for one. The remaining camper was paralyzed with fear. She stared and saw a flash of movement behind the mirror as if someone was standing right behind her. She turned and ran from the bathroom. The next morning, the girls laughed about the event, if only to hide how scared they had been. 
Now I've got a couple more, a couple more, and then I'd love to have a little sidebar at the very end and talk about Bloody Mary and pop culture and just kind of my thoughts on like the popularity of urban legends like this. Yeah, right on. First, I want to do some more of these. So one night, Kelsey's friend had a slumber party. <laughs> I don't know why I'm reading this like I'm a narrator on the History Channel doing one of those ancient aliens things, but... I'm into it. The girls dared one of their crew to try calling Bloody Mary in the bathroom. The friend accepted, glibly confident that the supposed ghost could do her no harm. Fifteen minutes passed as the other girls waited for something to happen, but there were no signs of Bloody Mary to be found. Then, they heard the girl scream. She tried to get out of the bathroom and was stuck, even though the door didn't have a lock on it. When Kelsey and her friends finally got the summoner out, she was crying and whimpering. She showed the girls her arms. They were covered in scratches that had never been there before. To this day, Kelsey has not been able to get her friend to speak of what happened to her Ooh. that night. <laughs> now I've got three more. Y'all ready? You are ready, <laughs> or you wouldn't be listening. Let's go. <laughs> you can't escape. Bloody Mary. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so, April of 2007, the 13th fell on a Friday. Friday the 13th again. Let's do this. On that fateful night, Ezie and her friends decided to try summoning Bloody Mary. They sat in a circle and called for a spirit with a coin nearby to communicate. And this is one I've seen before. Like, you flip a coin and, mm -hmm. like, if it's heads or tails, it's, like, the ghost manipulating it to give you a specific answer. Right. But it's also really fun because it doesn't require anything really that wild to happen. <laughs> like, it's a really good version to play. But they asked uh, her to show a sign she was there. They flipped the coin for an answer. They first received a no, but the following two times were yes. They were playing a CD at the time, and it got scratchy, despite the fact the CD was brand new and had no marks on it. Then the girls began feeling dizzy and faint, as they felt long fingernails brushing against their faces. The blinds started shaking, although the window wasn't open. Essie jumped up and closed the circle between the girls and Bloody Mary. They were all utterly shaken. To this day, Ezzie still has the feeling that she is never truly alone. Oh. And you know what? None of us are ever truly alone. Not if we have our close good friends. So, And our doppelgangers following our every move. Alex, that's not what this episode is. Sorry. You invoked that energy and I now know. it's not leaving my head. I understand. So, Lauren and her friend were in an experimental mood the night they decided to try calling Bloody Mary. I really like that. That's what an experimental mood leads I like to. It's not like describing it as, you know, yeah, I'm in, an, I'm in an experimental mood tonight. Not like maybe let's try a new tie place or like mm -hmm. I think I'm going to do my hair differently or something. No. It's let's summon a ghost. You want to be bad? You want to summon a ghost? <laughs> let's do it. Let's be bad. If I summon a ghost, will you have some? I know you'll have some if I summon a ghost. Okay, so they stopped while on the road at a gas station with an outdoor restroom. This is maybe my favorite one. Okay. Just that's the scariest setting you could possibly give me. I'm already terrified of rest stops in the middle of the night. So a gas station at night with an outdoor restroom. Mm -hmm. Let's go. They went in, turned off the lights, splashed water onto the mirror, and spun around saying Bloody Mary three times. Lauren's friend flushed the toilet while Lauren stared into the mirror. But little of her reflections she could make out started turning red. She just kept staring, then her friends started screaming and they ran out the door. Outside, Lauren's friends discovered that her face didn't just appear red, it was covered in blood. Mm. When they cleaned her face, they discovered tiny scratch marks like fingernail scratches all over her face. Now, this is the last one. I like the headline of this one. They all have headlines. I've skipped most of them because they're spoilery, but uh -huh. don't open that portal. Oh, good advice, generally. 29-year-old Amanda has a particularly dramatic tale of Bloody Mary. When she was just 12, Amanda believes that her summoning of the spirit opened a portal that allowed demons and witchcraft into her life. All those years later, she has suffered from extreme issues constantly, has resorted to exorcisms without success, firmly believing that her young foolhardiness is responsible for her current problems. Oh. But Amanda's story reminds you that summoning ghosts is no laughing business. She has spent her life warning others of the danger of seemingly innocent childhood games. This is also, like, that also does a little bit, and this is not to disparage Amanda, I know nothing about her, but it sounds a little bit like, um, did you ever read the book Go Ask Alice? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. Okay. Do you know what Go Ask Alice, like, do you know who, what it actually is? Because it's fake. Yeah, I do. Um, I know. It was like, it, well, and that was not presented to us. You know, I read it in high school health class and it was like, that oh, yeah. was not part of the 
the presentation. Oh, they present it like it's real. Mm -hmm. And it was sold as if it was real. But if you look into it, Go Ask Alice, if you don't know, is a a fake diary, like a fictional book that was marketed as a real diary of a teenage girl who died after this history of abusing drugs. And it was actually written by this, like, middle-aged Mormon woman who's written a whole bunch of other books that, like, scare teenagers straight. Like, that's her whole thing. And she has another one. She has a sequel to Go Ask Alice called Jay's Journal. And Jay's Journal (laughs) is about and this was terrible like this is actually awful like you can find more reading about this the family this was a real person like this was actually based on the journal of a real boy that then she took and added Mm -hmm. all this wild stuff into who actually did have all these problems but she edited it and added in all this wild stuff about like him falling in with a satanic cult and like demons and stuff and basically (laughs) the wording of that like I don't again I don't know the source I don't know Amanda but that all I could think as I was reading that last one is did the go ask Alice lady write this <laughs> like remember kids don't play Bloody Mary or Ouija boards or you might have problems that will follow you for the rest of your life and then eventually maybe you'll die but that's just my own that's my own thing just like a little thing it's just a little thing. It's just a wild. The Go Ask Alice thing is something I want to tell people every time it comes up because when I found that out, I felt so unbelievably betrayed because when I read that book when I was 12, I was I was horrified by it. I was like, oh my God, this is so scary. I can't believe this was real. No, it was devastating. And then it wasn't. <laughs> can't believe everything you read, kids. And that's why I just spent the last several minutes presenting ghost stories from a corner of the internet on a listicle website as if they were completely true. <laughs> Okay, fair. But also, it's fun. There's also more. I don't have time and don't really think I should keep just reading you stories of people doing, like, mirror ghost things. But if you want to read some more Bloody Mary true stories, or maybe not in air quotes, on um, paranormal.lovetoknow.com, if you search that and Bloody Mary true stories, you'll find, like... A compilation of like 12 of them oh and they're really fun i just don't want to keep i i don't want to i don't want to make this run too too long but you've got some really fun variations on like seeing like these various apparitions in the mirror and like there particularly this repeat of like a green triangle like this image of a green triangle keeps coming up anyway there's a lot of different fun little variations her lurking in the corner of the bathroom like anyway there's a lot of spooky stuff some fun things to read about if you want to read more like real encounters if you also want to watch the youtube videos they're also very fun um like a bunch of kind of tiny uh low budget found footage horror movies i do love that and maybe some of them are real like i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna be harry houdini out here debunking everybody maybe some of them are real I know that if I were being haunted by a ghost, my first instinct would be to vlog it and put it on YouTube. I mean, yeah, that's what any sensible person would do. You want to get those clicks. Okay, so I want to talk about uh, Bloody Mary popping up in popular culture because she is uh, everywhere. So you've got, there's a video game uh, based on the Fables comic book series called the Wolf Among Us and introduces Bloody Mary as one of the key antagonists. There is a... British comedy web series called The Bloody Mary Show, which apparently depicts her daily life. I have not watched it, but it kind of sounds like fun. That's interesting. It, it's like, it's like a, yeah, it's like a comedy. It sounds like it's almost like a What We Do in the Shadows, but Bloody Mary, which is kind of fun. Oh, fun. Now, then there's some fun, uh, some fun horror movies. Um, there's the one I mentioned before, which is Urban Legends Bloody Mary, which is directed actually by a woman named Mary. Just wanted to point that out. <laughs> There is Dead Mary, a 2007 film based on a screenplay called Bloody Mary. And then there's The Legend of Bloody Mary, which is a film that has a character who goes missing after playing the game. There's also a Brazilian horror comedy called, uh, it's the title is in Portuguese. The loose translation is Exterminators of the Occult Against the Bathroom Blonde, which is a Brazilian version of the Bloody Mary legend. And it's about a group of ghost hunting YouTubers that are supposed to help fight with or like help this school out when all the students are scared of this ghost that's appearing in the bathroom mirrors there's also uh there's also television uh it appears on there's an episode of charmed um in which a demon makes killers from different horror movies come to life one of them is bloody mary okay in the ghost whisperer okay now the other story makes sense in an episode of the ghost whisperer there is a reference to the bloody mary legend in an episode called don't try this at home so i'm betting that's what those girls were watching and then uh, they were like let's probably, try this at home yeah so <laughs> you know natch. Oh, i also am 
I also am totally misremembering and wrong about Supernatural because the episode about Bloody Mary on Supernatural not only references Bloody Mary directly, it's literally titled Bloody Mary. So I'm wrong and Supernatural fans were probably yelling at their phones earlier, but it's it's basically a, yes, a Supernatural episode where there's a ghost in a mirror and it's Bloody Mary and she like leaps between mirrors and it, it it's good. There's an episode of The X-Files called Syzygy that concerns the legend. And also, Alex, as you mentioned earlier, on top of the game, as usual, the two-part season one finale of the horror anthology show The Haunting Hour is called Scary Mary. Boom. It was good. It was really good. Scary Mary is really good. It was a great episode. No, it actually really is. In their, their version of Scary Mary, she's like a face stealer. It's a very spooky. It's really good. Yeah, and it's like this whole like pocket dimension thing. It's like very interesting. Oh, it's so creepy. And here's the thing. I wanted to talk about this a little bit because I think it's worth mentioning how often mirrors factor into horror. Mm-hmm. And I really think a lot of that has to do, in my personal opinion, for me, there's this sort of idea that we've always associated mirrors with like being like another world, another dimension that factors into so many horror stories, some written by R.L. Stein himself. He has uh-huh. another uh, several goosebumps that involve people going into mirror worlds. And it pops up all over the place, I think, because there's something so distinctly tapped into the uncanny valley about a mirror because you look in it and you're seeing everything that you recognize. You're seeing things you recognize, your room, your face, your shirt, but everything's, everything's wrong. Everything's flipped. Mm-hmm. So you are... Genuinely, every time you look in the mirror, almost looking at this sort of just slightly wrong version of your reality. And there's something to be said for the inherent creepiness of that. And that's not to mention other things with mirrors, like the way that if you line up two in front of each other, you get that spooky, like, infinity room effect. Oh, yeah. That's wild stuff. Just the fact that in general, there's something very unsettling about seeing yourself, too. I think people have had that. Like, if you really think about it, I don't know about other people. Maybe this is just me. But I have moments every so often when I'm doing something in a bathroom and looking in the mirror where I have to sort of stop and look at myself and go, that's a person. That's me. Oh, and yeah. I'm no, seeing I will straight up dissociate sometimes. Me. I have to, like, yes. me too. Me to, too. Like, consciously work to anchor my sensation of the world in my knowledge of, like, what I'm looking at as a human being. It's it's very disorienting. No, I, I do the same exact thing. I'm so glad I feel very seen right now in a genuine way because that's a very unsettling thing that happens to me sometimes with mirrors. And I want to venture a guess and say that we're not alone in that. Oh, no, we're definitely not. I mean, to be fair, I don't even need a mirror. Like, sometimes it just happens, but... Same, same. But also, I do think, yeah, I think that part of the inherent horror of mirrors is this fact that they sort of force us to do a couple of things, and one of them is see this sort of flipped version of everything that's very kind of unsettling. But another is, basically, you're being forced to reckon with yourself externally in a way that you're not Mm -hmm. normally doing. You pilot your body and you exist from within your body, and then seeing that from an external perspective is is jarring. And I'm assuming too, like going back, like I'm thinking about the way that like humans had to sort of get used to this sense of self. Like we're one of the few animals that recognizes ourselves in mirrors. And I always think about the way, like there's lots of funny videos of like a cat looking at a mirror and just being like totally freaked out by it. But at the same time, I think that was probably us when they were new. We had to go through, like we always had reflective surfaces, but mirrors mm-hmm. as an invention to me, they're the picture perfect accurate reflection or as accurate as we can tell uh anyway i don't want to wax on about mirrors too long i just i find them something we take for granted how strange they are and i think that that's a lot of why they factor so heavily into horror going back so far and even in ways that aren't menacing like you have the classic story of vampires don't appear in mirrors or it just they're everywhere and they factor so heavily into our popular culture and our just general, the way that we relate to our idea of ourselves and the world around us, Mm -hmm. that I just think it only makes sense that stories like Bloody Mary appear or that we would start to have this, we still hold this association from like way back when of mirrors as like these gateways or these places where something else can be dwelling. Like I know tradition, a lot of traditions uh, in a lot of faiths are to cover the mirrors in a house after a death because a spirit could get trapped in one Yeah, when it's looking for a place to go. Like, that's the origin of that. And I just, I think it's worth, if I'm talking about Bloody Mary, for all the fun and, like, the lightheartedness and the slumber party games, I do want to, yeah, I just wanted to make sure I, I, I took a moment to sort of sit with just mirrors and what they've meant to us and continue to mean. That's all. 
Yeah, it's pretty wild stuff. And there's, and actually, since you wanted to talk about doppelgangers, uh, <laughs> there is something very weird about seeing yourself and being, and, and also seeing yourself flipped. And it reminds me, there is a R.L. Stein book called Let's Get Invisible that involves a mirror world filled with mirror children. And there, it's like a mirror that like you think it makes, they think it makes them invisible, but it's actually like slowly pulling them into the mirror world. Spoilers for a, an R.L. Stein Goosebumps book from the 90s. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds like probably, hmm, probably pulling back the curtain a little bit too far. Um, on all that right. One, huh? It was published in like 1993. I think it's been long enough. <laughs> But there's a great scare that still creeps me out a little bit, actually. There's a character, one of the character's best friends is the, is, is nicknamed Lefty because he, like, is left-handed and, like, you know, that's a thing. Whatever. Left-handed people are rare because mm-hmm. we used to systematically train them out of it uh, because of some weird bias about left-handed people being of the devil. But that's not what I want to talk about right now. <laughs> there's a scare at the end of the book. R.L. Stein loves his last act twists. And... There's, um, like, after the main character has defeated, like, the mirror children and gotten everybody switched back to where they belong, uh-huh. he is outside, like, with his brother and his friends, and he throws a baseball, uh, and Lefty catches it with his right hand. It's the wrong one. Yeah, it's the mirror one. I know you saw it coming, but that book is for eight-year-olds, so it did shake me to my core. <laughs> I mean, it's a good twist, and, like, that's a, that's a very excellent way to do it. Like, I would have been upset if I had read the book and, like, that wouldn't have happened. Oh, yeah, fair. That's a thing, right? Like, and I, I need to remind people that sometimes. Like, when I say I saw a twist coming, it doesn't mean that, like, I'm looking down on the piece of media. I'm not saying, like, mm, I saw that twist coming. Because I know there are people who do that. For me, it's, like, actually an indicator of a well-written piece of media mm-hmm. if it, like, presupposes that ending or or predicates it in a way that's, like, really, really interesting and well thought out. Oh, yeah. Like, there are many cases in which that twist is the natural conclusion of the story you're telling. And, like, that is the perfect button for that story. Like, it should not have ever been anything yeah. else. And actually, I will say this, and this is total sidebar, just since you brought up movie twists. If a movie has a twist that you can't go back through the movie and find the clues for that twist, mm-hmm. it's not a twist. It's just a lie. <laughs> like, it just yeah, means that exactly. the writer of the story lied to you earlier so that they could subvert the expectations they deliberately gave you like that's not if you've seen the episode of bob's burgers where linda throws like a murder mystery dinner theater and she literally starts the story off by telling people her character is not the murderer but then reveals at the end that her character is the murderer Mm -hmm. that's that's not a twist that's just a lie Yeah. And that's what a lot of writers, I've seen a lot of writers think that that, the Linda Belcher model of twisty storytelling is somehow more effective because you can't predict it. And if you can't predict it, but that's not because it was well told and well hidden just because you lied. That's not the same. Right, exactly. Anyway, that's not what this episode was about. Thanks, everybody, Alex included, for being willing to let me yell about Bloody Mary and uh, spooky, scary ghost stories for the last hour or so of time. I am really glad I got to finally do this episode. I, as always, had more stuff that I wanted to talk about that I didn't really get to do because I got myself caught up in many a tangent and many a ramble, but we're okay with that. And we live and we learn and we must press on. But I think I would venture to say that I love Bloody Mary. I do. And I think she's had a rough go of things. So I want to just go ahead. Oh, you know what? You know what would be really nice? What would be really nice? If one of these days, like, can you imagine? This is like, like, OC, do not steal. I want to, like, write a little short horror comedy film where, like, an Instagram influencer plays a game of Bloody Mary and then, like, does a makeup tutorial with her. Aw, that's nice. I think it'd be cute. And she's like, oh, you've got a lot of scabs on your face. We can color correct that with some green to offset the red. Um, I just think it'd be cute. That's... Oh, that's nice. I like that. OC, do not steal. I'm going to write it. Um, But I think if you're going to play a game of Bloody Mary and you're going to summon her, this is my survival tip. There are so many variations on the story. I can't promise that she won't just scratch your eyes out on sight. But just don't play any of the versions of the game that involve being mean to her. Like... Don't say, like, I don't believe in Mary Worth, which is one of the Mary Worth variations you can do to make the ghost mad. Don't tell Mary mm-hmm. Tudor that you stole her baby. Like, don't. Can we not bully ghosts in 2019? Yeah, that's, that's very cruel. It's 2019. Can we not bully ghosts? There's enough hate out there. And she's already dead. 
She's been through enough. Also true. So if you're going to play a game like that, that's my big thing. Honestly, I think my big stance for the year 2019 is like, just be nice to ghosts. If you're going to summon a ghost, just be nice. Be cool. Maybe ask her how she's doing for once. Yeah, seriously. Maybe instead of asking about yourself and your future husband and your future death, Susan, you could think about asking about someone else for a change. Damn, got him. It's always Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Never how's Bloody Mary. So anyway, (laughs) that's the show. Well. Any announcements, Alex? Sorry, it's late. Oh no, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's 1030 here, which is not super late, except I'm up before seven every morning. So announcements. We're doing a live show. I am still nailing down the details on that vis-a-vis venue. So I'll have a date for everybody soon. I apologize. It hasn't happened yet. Yes, correct. I am about to uh, exit this call and then weigh in in the in the chat we have going about that. But yeah, we it will be in Chicago. We can say that. We do know that. We've known that. And it will be over the summertime. I think that's pretty much it. Honestly, I don't think we have any other, like, big breaking news happening at the moment. You know, uh, at this point, if you don't know where to find us, you can look us up on Twitter at CryptKeepPod, C-R-Y-P-T-K-E-E-P-P-O-D. That's also our email address, CryptKeepPod at gmail.com, where you can send listener stories, um, air questions, um, if you have, like, fan art you want us to see or something, like, we, we can yeah. be reached there. That's a cool, fun space. We've had very, very awesome emails from folks before, and that's also how we collect our listener stories for our listener story episodes. And if you want to find us on Facebook and like our page there, you can find it under the Cryptid Keeper. And if you want to hang out with some like-minded cryptid-keeping individuals, you can hang out in the Cryptid Keeper Appreciation Group which is also on Facebook. Uh, it's a pretty fun little community, and I really think we've uh, built something very nice there. And if you are somebody who has sent us an email, um, I apologize. I am getting to those. I know there are a ton that have not gotten an answer from us yet. I have gone back and answered several from many, many months ago. So Sorry, yeah. If you've DM'd us on Twitter, I am making my way through the backlog of those at this moment. Um, so that as well. Yes, thank you so much to everybody who listens and reaches out. And it's just a part of this little space we've carved out on this big old internet. Uh, Also, thank you to our team members. Thank you to Andrew Giotta, our in-house composer and creator of our theme music. And thank you to Val Patron, our resident audio wizard, for making us sound so crisp and delightful every single week for your ears. What a star. So, as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. Pretty, witty, and gay.